I really believe if you think of, you know, the person you show up as in the world, there's this circle. And then there's this other circle, which I'll just call like, if I recorded your thoughts at a hundred percent and your activities at a hundred percent, there's that person. And to the degree that there's a Delta is where I think people's opportunity sits. Welcome back to another episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and you guys know how we do this every single week. We're bringing you a story of an athlete, an entertainer, a celebrity, somebody performing at the highest possible level who's recognized that why and purpose is not enough. There's this burn, there's this underlying fire that ignites why and purpose that then causes these individuals to be disciplined, especially on the days that they don't want to do it. And boy, do we have a treat for you, and we're going to go a special direction that we have not gone in the past, because I recently read one of the game-changing books, and I'm telling you right now, this will be one of those game-changing books that we're not going to hear about for a week, because we already know that it's going straight to the top, the numbers are coming out, Wall Street Journal and all the lists and New York Times, but this is a book that's going to have longevity and legs to it. And I am so confident in that. I've been buying and sending this to coaching clients because you guys know me. I'm an abundant guy. But Dan Martell and I had known of each other for years, but we first had the opportunity to meet at a live event for our dear friend Ed Milet out in Palm Springs. And Dan and I had the opportunity to meet. And then I get a message from Dan. He's like, I want to send you a copy of my new book. And you guys know I'm reading books every day because I'm far from figuring this thing out. And I'm like, oh, I would love to get your book. Then he sends the book. I could not put this book down. This book, Buy Back Your Time, I, I can't even do it enough justice by just doing what I'm doing right now. Like, this is an absolute, not just must buy for you, read it immediately and implement, but for people that you care about on your team in your life, because not only does it address business, it addresses the personal. And I'm going to give this resume, even though you don't need it, but I'm going to give you a little bit more of it because it, it, it's just it's important because somebody can write a book. But then I think you have to look if you're going to listen to somebody or we're going to have a conversation on leverage of your time. What is this person really accomplishing? Right. So he's been recognized in Canada as one of the top angel investors. A top angel investor has exited three technology companies since 2012. He's recognized in the SAAS space as one of the leaders. And he runs Ironmans. And he's a dedicated father. And he's a dedicated husband. So, like, the guy that I want to listen to who's going to talk about buying back your time and leverage is Dan Martell. So, Dan, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to read the book before it was released. It's had a profound impact on me. So all I can say is a big thank you and welcome to The Burn and for putting up with that long introduction because it was deserved. Dude, it's an honor. It's an honor. And, uh, you know, I know you're big on intention. So I, I want to set the intention that I'm going to give this audience 110% of me. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to share things I will have never shared with anybody else before. I'm going to, I'm going to do that for you, Ben, because you've been just such a big uh, supporter in this project. So thank you. Well, and, and I've been a big fan of yours since MF CEO. <laughs> like, dude, I've been following you. I know we just got to meet, but mm -hmm. I've been a, I've been a fan of you for, 
you know, probably six years. So it's kind of surreal for me. So thank you. Well, I, I, I appreciate you mentioning that so much. And it's a, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a two way street. I'm going to ask you a question because you said that you're going to go someplace that, that you haven't taken people before. And so when I think of our opportunity this year in 2023, I've been using, it's been common with our sports teams and business and our uncommon live members to raise the bar. And I think if you're going to raise the bar in everything that you do, you have to evaluate your time, but you have to scrutinize your behavior and your time. How important, so if we if we lock in on this word scrutinize, how important has it been for you to scrutinize different elements of your life in order to end up having principles like you share in the book that lead to this great success that you've had personally and professionally? I mean, you, you, I'm a, you know, you read it in the book. One of the core frameworks that I teach is called the buyback loop. And part of that loop is the um, audit phase, which is all about time and energy. So like I probably at, at this stage of my life, you know, running two eight figure companies as a CEO and all the other stuff, the Ironmans, the ultras, et cetera. I, I'm probably doing that every four months, like where I'm sitting down with my executive assistant and we're we're doing a time and energy audit and I'm, I'm, and I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, I have a meeting right now that is yellow turning red and I'm just going to stop going to it. Right. I'm now I'm in a position where I can like buy back my time, but even at my level, I love, love what I do, you know, and I hope that comes out in the book. Cause it's, it's, some people follow me on social and they think, Oh, Dan's Dan's part of this hustle culture and, you know, crush yourself and all this stuff. And I kind of am, but I'm not. So it's funny is that like, I'm just ruthless about being efficient when I decide to do anything. So it doesn't matter about my intentionality when I'm like this morning, I was spending time with my kids. We went out for breakfast. I dropped them off at school and like being with them. And then now that I'm on my desk, you know, I'm here with you at such a level. Like it's just you and I having this conversation and then I'm packing this afternoon to go heli skiing with, with, with a bunch of 48 entrepreneurs that I've personally <laughs> curated. I've been doing this trip for 10 years. So like, I'm just, I scrutinize every aspect of my time because I just, I want to know if today was my last day and I meet my maker, he's like, nice job. You didn't waste it. And I just, I just, I know that that's just my reality. And it's been for a long, long, long time because of kind of the stuff I grew up around, but that's why I'm just, I just got lucky that 17, I learned a lesson about life and how, you know, fragile it is. And I just haven't wasted a second. Now there's dark energy and light energy that can be used as fuel to drive my day. And I've luckily learned over the years to use a cleaner fuel source, but yeah, that's why. But I, I love the principle of the buyback loop. And like I shared, I mean, I've been sending it to coaching clients. I've got that abundant mentality. I don't know all the ideas I'm still trying to learn, but it's so applicable to so many conversations that I have in my work every day. And your story is so powerful and what you went through and the transparency and the vulnerability. I'm going to just leave it at that because everybody needs to, to get the book. But here, here's one thing. I, I've been really big on self-talk, the importance of self-talk. You know, you exit three companies at the level that you did, you know, the self-talk is there. Like, do I really need to keep going? Like, why? Like, I'll just, I'll go have breakfast and then parlay it into doing something else and, and not have to work. Yet, not only just the work do I want to hit on, it's even though you've made the choice, I'm going to stay, I'm going to continue to impact companies and run companies and have an impact. You didn't allow that to become an excuse to, 
but I can't run my ultra marathons, but I can't do my Ironmans, but I can't be a great dad, but I, it's an and. And I think there are so many people that listen every week and they, they get scared. They get scared to take on more. They get scared to tap into their capacity. How important is it to, to take action, to scrutinize that time, but then to take action on these things that you can have? Because I believe you can have balance. You can go and do all of these things. How important is that, that action piece? Yeah. I mean, the, my philosophies around this is that it's an integrated life, right? So balance is a great word. I think integrated for me feels better. And I've even heard harmonic, which is a beautiful one. because well, I love that. Uh, if you think of harmony, yeah, harmony means that the different parts of the band are playing to create a sim like a create a masterpiece right so like 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 last year full distance ironman you know i'm into the 24 26 hours a, a week of training um this year that like my wife sat me down and said like okay that was a bit much and she wasn't wrong <laughs> so this year a little harmony i said okay well i'll do the ultra because it's one discipline and I max out to 10 hours a week. So like, that's my, again, you just adjust, right? It's why I teach the preloaded year in the book as well, to be able to like, at the end of the year, look at your year and go like, okay, how did my January feel? Did I have too much? Like, where's the harmony? So here's, here's what I want to share with people. Cause I, again, Ben, I told you I would share stuff I've never put anywhere. I believe people, you know, talk crap about the ego, right? The ego is the enemy, et cetera. And they're right. And Ryan Holiday wrote an incredible book, highly recommend it. But I actually think the ego is the vehicle of alignment for full expression or purpose. And here's what I mean by that. When you think of yesterday where you acted out or did something inappropriate, and then you use that as a feedback loop today to just ask yourself, out of my day, did I overreact? Did I do something? I did? did I skip a workout and I knew better? And then you go today, I'm going to reflect and then decide, okay, today I'm not going to do that behavior again. And you just, because that's your ego speaking to you, because I really believe if you think of, you know, the person you show up as in the world, there's this circle. And then there's this other circle, which I'll just call like, if I recorded your thoughts at a hundred percent and your activities at a hundred percent, there's that person. And to the degree that there's a Delta is where I think people's opportunity sits. Love it. Right. The, the, isn't that crazy? So like, it's this cool thing where the ego is actually present to tell you where you're not living into your full expression or purpose. And I think it's really important for people to understand that. And then in regards to just, you know, what I call capacity building, because people see at my life and they go like, oh, well, that's nice. You, you can do this. And you, you, you're just uh, predisposed with energy or you're just this, you're just that. And I hope I did a good job talking about the book where I was horrible at all things in my whole life. Like anything that I'm doing today that people are like, oh yeah, but you're just a business person. It's like, I went seven years of full on trying and failed two companies before I ever had a glimpse of success. I was 265 pounds, uh, fat, overweight programming kid, you know, like the, <laughs> it's easy to dismiss it, but I'll tell you what I think, Ben, I think people are afraid to live into their potential because it sets a new standard that they know they now have to maintain. That's actually the scary part for a lot of people. You nailed that. Absolutely. And that that's where the feelings get involved to where, you know, I like to say standard over feelings don't allow your feelings to dictate how you show up. It's easier to live to the feelings. It's easier to stay in the warm and cozies of the sheets and skip the workout rather than build the discipline to do what you need to do. But then 
I don't care if you go run a 5K. You're not finishing a 5K without training if you've never run a 5K, right? So you, it reaches a point you say the standard is I don't hit the snooze button. I put my phone in another room to where I have to physically get up out of bed. I'm now awake so that I don't have an environment that supports me staying in the warm and cozies and living to my feelings. So I, I love it. This this com, this capacity piece, like this is what, what like, I love this concept so much that I literally I had our team like print it out, it turned it into a bookmark, and it's in my book every day. So it's a reminder for me the ten eighty ten ratio, which for me, when you think of capacity, that really speaks to it because mm. it forces leverage. But it still keeps your energy from the buyback loop engaged in parts of the process where you do enjoy that element of something that you're doing. So what can you share about the importance of capacity and the 10-80-10 ratio? Yeah, I'll, I'll unpack a lot of stuff. First off, the 10-80-10 principle is because there are creative endeavors, writing a book, social media, um, speaking, training, coaching that requires an input. You know, and I talk in the book about Steve Jobs where his initial, it's the initial 10% is the ideation and the through line, the storytelling, the creative like you know, this is the thing we're trying to solve. This is the big monster. This is why it's important. Here's the way I'm, I'm seeing it. And then you give it to obviously a team member or a competent team like Steve would do at Johnny Ives in the design studio at Apple. And then they would go off and they would do the research and the ideation and the CNC machine to come up with prototypes and play with things and to kind of move it forward that, that, that the next 80%. And then once Johnny felt like he had something that was like good enough for Steve, then he would come back and he would evaluate and talk about the final finishing touches. Then and really where the rubber meets the road or the implementation component of that last ten percent. That's Steve on stage at you know the Apple events unleashing his thing. Uh, I'll give you one that a lot of people are familiar with: Gary Vaynerchuk. Everybody knows Gary V. Here's the deal: he has a I would guess a three million dollar a year payroll of a team that sits outside of his office called Team Gary. This is not this is not VaynerMedia, this is not VaynerX, this is Team Gary of about 25 people that are his 80%. And he literally interacts with them using the 108010 rule. He probably doesn't call it that. Um, I learned this, you know, through conversations with Caleb, his previous head of uh, videography. Because Caleb would say, like, Gary would sit down with us and brainstorm ideas, tell us where he said certain things. We would go grab clips, ideate, and then we would we would just – and this is so beautiful the way he does it. We would come up with different creative outputs, and then we have this internal iMessage chat, and all the videographers – he has, like, four or five – will post clips – for Gary to try to get his attention. And then he downloads them to his phone and he's still the guy that's doing that last 10% publishing them on social media. So even a guy that's running, you know, arguably a 200 million a year business with more demand on his time than anything else has found a way to create leverage, but still feel connected so that there's soul and spirit in the work that he's doing. And that's why I think the 108010 rule You'll see it amongst so many different people from Elon Musk and others. They just may not call it that. I've crystallized and codified that so that I know how to, you know, when it comes to creative projects, get more output. It was the most strategic and intentional way I've ever seen the concept crafted. And that's where I'm saying this is not a book where it's going to hit a bestseller list. It's got legs because it's finally been articulated in the right way and delivered in the right way where people will speak about that for years to come. 
And then the story you just gave of, of Gary Vee, this, this is my opinion because I enjoyed the book so much. The People are going to say, oh, and Gary Vee is an example of that. And just like you said, Eli, but they're going to see that's how the people show up. And so here's what I would challenge everybody to do. Number one, you got to buy the book, right? Because there's really no excuse. If I'm this excited about it, that like I want you, I want you to buy it because I know it's going to have an impact on you. But then you have to take the action. You have to take the action. And Dan is being vulnerable here. He's being honest. It's a story. He was the 265 pounds, which we're going to get to next. But you have got to make a choice. If you believe, okay, if I bought back my time, what could I do? Then go do it. And I think that's part of it. We have got to take action. We cannot be part of the culture where far too many people say how great they want to be. And then we have a conversation with their action. And it's a completely different story. This book will help you to taking back your time to take that action with no excuses. So, all right, Dan, here, I got to ask this question. So we talk about the burn. You're 265 pounds. You're doing computer programming, probably with a bag of Doritos in front of you. And, and a 100%. Coke. You nailed it. Cool Ranch, Cool Ranch. <laughs> cool Ranch. So Cool Ranch Doritos and a Coke. Maybe it was even Coke, Coke Slurpee. And you're just downing this. You're so far removed. And let's just go personal. You're like... I'm going to go run an ultra marathon. I'm going to be an Iron Man. What was your burn then? What, what was it that caused you to say enough is enough? I got to change. Dude, I remember the moment. I'm at my friend's house and um, there's a party going on. I'm like 22, I think, at that point because I started coding when I was 17. And I just put on massive amount of weight, like just sitting there teaching myself how to code and, and just working on projects. And... I sit down on his couch is at his parents' house because we're in our twenties and I break the couch like this old Chesterfield, like the wood bracing snaps and the whole, he, he gets super upset and he's like, and he just swears at me. He's like, F Martell, fuck you're a big dude, man. You can't <laughs> sit down like that. And I'm just like, and I was like, dude, I'm not that big. And he's like, yeah, you are. And oh. I was like, and I literally went into the bathroom later and he had a scale there and I got on it, man. And I didn't like what I saw. I didn't think I was that heavy. I didn't think I was that big. And the, it read 265. And I will tell you, it had such a profound impact on me. That's why I think today I'm such a fan of measuring our results. You know, uh, this guy, Wes Watson, he says, the most common thing in the world is a consistent man with no results. And I just, you I realized, that I, you know, you a lot of people, again. the most, the most common thing in the world is a consistent man with no results. Think about it. I, I, I live in a pretty cool spot with a great view and I see all these people drive to work every day and they are consistently on time, accurate and do the same thing every week. And they got no new results. And I just think it's important for us to audit ourselves and say like, Hey, is this actually serving me? Is it helpful or is it hurting me? Right. And it's something actually today, my uh, COO and my business partner, Matt, in, in one of my companies, SAS Academy, you know, he, he ran a, a full distance Ironman about 10 years prior. And he was the one that kind of inspired me four years ago to think about triathlons. And here I am on a Zoom call and, he'll, and he tells the story. So I'm not, you know, putting him on blast, but I look at him and I go, dude, when's the last time you got on a scale? Like, I love you, man, but I, I'm just not. I just need to know that you, and he's like, yeah, man, I know. And I go, well, do you know what you weigh? He goes, nah. I was like, you should probably go do that. 
That was a year ago. Since then, he's the fittest he's ever been. He's done three half Ironmans. He's done a PR in his. He's he's got a five hundred pound deadlift and a fairly fast. I mean, just and and I think some people are scared to share that with people. Ben, you know what I mean? They're like, "Oh, you're an effing asshole." It's like, no, I'm not an asshole. I care if I don't care about you. Guess what? I'll do say nothing, zero. And that's what. And literally, why I wrote this book. I'm sitting there. I have this rule about being a lighthouse, not a tugboat. I want to show up and shine my light as bright as humanly possible. If that hurts your eyes, close them. I ain't dimming my light. That's just my rule. I will never criticize you, down talk to you, tell you where you suck. I just won't do that because I went to rehab as a kid. And one of the rules they tell you, when you get out, you get sober, you're going to want to tell everybody how great it is. And you just, you want to not do that because you want to focus on you first. You want to, you want to build your capacity, build your uh, story of being sober and, and, and have a, like have some success first. And if you do that, then people will then say, Hey man, how did you do that? So what's crazy is this book was written for 25 people in my life that I love entrepreneurs, business owners, not software people. I'm talking sign company owners, HVAC plumbing agency owners, creatives, podcasters, like, you know, very traditional. They're literally my best, best people in my life. And when I was writing it, I was writing, literally crossing the five time assassins came from seeing them and going, Oh, these six do this. And these four do that. So I just think it's important for people. If they have folks, they love to a come from a place of integrity. You can't tell somebody that they need to get in shape when you're sitting there with, you know, you're 40 pounds overweight, but, um, you know, just shine your light. And, and when they're ready, they're going to turn to you and they're going to ask, but maybe sometimes you got to give them a little kick in the butt. I, I, I love hearing this. You know, we talked about it before we, we hit the record button of, you know, a couple of dear friends of ours, Daniel Decker and John Gordon. And, you know, those were two individuals back when I met John in 2008, you know, first time started speaking, first time paid to speak was 06. And, you know, I'm getting started and you're trying to do the best that you can. And I'm still trying to do the best that I can. But those guys were giving me raw feedback that I needed to hear. And like, Dan, you know it. Like, sometimes it's painful to hear Tough. those things because you think you're building this momentum. But I'm, now I look back and I've told Daniel, I've told John, like, thank you. Thank you for being one of the individuals who was honest about ways that I could improve because most people don't do that. And I think that's the beauty of the book. And that's why I'm saying, everybody, you've got to go pick up the book because I think it's going to give you a mirror to evaluate, going back to how we started, to evaluate and to scrutinize your time so that you can be efficient and live the life that you want to live. Isn't that the mission of why you wrote the book, Dan? Dude, it's chapter 12. Look at this. You're, you're calling it chapter 12, the F word, right? I wrote about this because I realized that people don't have mirrors. They don't have a way to give permission for other people to give them feedback. And, and here's the cool part. If you are the one to initiate and solicit the feedback, that's what the F word is, then, and you come from a place of, and this is the framing, I want to be a better leader for you. I want to be a better brother for you. Me and my wife have a meeting every Wednesday, so I've got it today at lunch. And the first question of the meeting is, how can I show up better for you as a husband? And no matter what she says, I only have one response. Thank you. And that's it. And she asked me the same question. I give her some thoughts. She says, thank you. And we move on. It's not a debate. Sometimes I'll use the word, my hallucination is. I think that's really powerful. It's yeah. true. It just, because it, it, it allows the person to go like, oh, 
he is at least self-aware to know that that's his story. He's telling himself around oh, what happened. So it's powerful. not necessarily a fact. Yeah. So we do this every week. And I think that's the, that in a hundred other things is why I think we have an epic marriage and, and I believe, you know, is why, you know, we're going to go the distance not, not we're like, it's just a fact because we'll never have a moment where things fracture and go sideways for a long period of time. And that's why I looked at all my friends that have been divorced at this point in my life, which unfortunately the older I get, the more they, <laughs> it happens is they started drifting and they didn't have a mechanism to pull them back. Well, Dan, I, I, I can't thank you enough for this time, the messaging, the the writing of the book, the articulation of the stories, the simplicity, but power of the concepts that have become day, you know, part of my daily thinking. Uh, I, I'm always trying to get better, and this is one of those books that hit me at a time where I needed it as well. So I, I can't thank you, and I, I thank you for the friendship as well. I appreciate that, Ben. It's a, a real honor, and everybody listening, you guys, you guys are following the real guy, man. I'm just, I just think it's so cool the stuff you put out there and the message, and just how you show up. Like you're, you're just an example. You're shining your light. You're a lighthouse, and um, you're serving millions of people out there, and it's super cool to watch. And I was one of them for a long time. Well, I, I appreciate you, and we're in this fight together. I, I want to leave this with you for you to do the mic drop. I'm going to tie it up at the end, and then I'm going to. I'm going to give it to you to finish it because you had such a significant coaching impact influence on me to kick off my year. And I, I want you to end the episode, but just everybody, thank you for watching this episode of the burn. I appreciate every single person who listens and shares and decides and chooses to make change in their life because they realize how important the burn can be. So we're going to let Dan finish it. We're going to give you all the ways to stay connected buy the book, buy multiple copies of the book. We will leave it all. We'll put it in the, in, in the notes. You'll have everything that you need. But Dan, I'd love for you to finish by helping people get off that fence of indecision. I, I think your book can do that. I think your example of life can do that. But how important is it for people, and you're the mic drop today, to help people get off that fence of indecision and take action in life? Here's the thing. Every human on earth is here to do two things. One, become the best expression of themselves that they can be. Ed talks about this. This is just part of everything. And then two, share that person with the world. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.